facets and beauty of Jesus. And we have Grace here sharing with us this morning. I think this is the first time, eh? Uh, you've interviewed me a couple of times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, those interviews have gone well, and see, it's a very big process, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've done a police check as well. That came back a little bit sketchy, but no, no, you're all right. Um, but um, so I'm just going to pray. Father, I, I thank you so much for Grace. I thank you for, um, for her journey with you as, as a follower, and I thank you for all that she's all that she's experienced of you, um, all that you've done in her and through her. And I just thank you for, I just pray a blessing over her as she gives this morning. And, and knowing that, that in preparing a message, it's on top of a busy mom and a wife and working and everything else, God. And so God, I pray particularly for Grace this morning, that she would know that it is so much better to give than it is to receive. And as she's given, and given of her time, her energy, her thoughts, God, would you bless her to full and overflowing all that she gives out. Amen. Thanks, Lyndon. And I'll just come back a little bit so that I can see each side. Uh, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you guys this morning. So I have the topic of sharing about the bread of life. And uh, just first of all, share a little bit about who I am and where I've come from, just to kind of put in myself into context for you. So I'm a local. I've grown up in Walkworth. Um, my mum and dad have been in the area for over 40 years. And then I settled in Snell's Beach in about 2009. And um, I'm a teacher at Horizon, one of the local schools. I work there part-time, involved in a few community things. And uh, I've got Niles, my husband, over here. So he does the youth. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Love it. And then I've, we've got three kids. Uh, so two primary school age and then one preschooler. And also uh, my sister and her husband attend here. So woo! Yeah, Fano. Love it. Um, but it's, yeah, I just am so excited about the chance to share with you this morning uh, and also was so stirred by that worship and that uh, just the presence of God and a few things that were in the songs uh, also really kind of connected with the heart of what I would like to share this morning. So that's always, that's always a really positive encouragement when it kind of flows right through. Uh, another thing about myself is that I've grown up in church my whole life. So you young people that are sitting here, um, I just want to really encourage you guys this morning. Uh, it's a real privilege because next week you guys are actually going to be off with Niall and, the, and Sam and the other youth leaders, but I get to speak to you guys this morning too. So um, I think I'm a bit, actually a bit lucky that you guys are still in here. And uh, there was a song... It said, all my life you have been faithful. And I really felt like this morning, or no, in my life, sorry, that, was, that is something that I would say is a kind of a mantra or something that I feel connected to God through, that all my life, God, you've been faithful. There's definitely been ups and downs, no doubt about it. I've gone off track and back on and off again and back on. But all my life, God has been faithful. Uh, so for those of you young kids, you're not really kids, you young people that are here, uh, it's totally doable to do this life with God uh, from right from a young age all the way through. And I can only speak up until now. I'm only 
in my 30s. So for you older folks here too, you guys are testament to God's faithfulness in your life as well. And I really appreciate uh, that, that side of the spectrum as well. So uh, we, um, did you see, oh, could you go on to the next one? Thanks, Cherry. Um, so up here, this is my family. This is what we generally look like. And if you catch us in another moment, this is possibly what we could be looking like, all a bit crazy. And I love that. I love the craziness of life, the busyness, the excitement, the adventure. So we'll, um, we can go on to the next one too, Cherry. Uh, so what the topic this morning, talking about the bread of life, I really feel connected to this and I just wanted to put a disclaimer out there for um, some of you that I know that you can't eat gluten and I just need you to just imagine what would be your uh, next kind of favourite staple food. It might be rice or I'm sorry, I'm not that good with gluten-free uh, uh, alternatives, but please come with me on this journey of acknowledging that bread is life, it's sustenance. And one thing I also thought was, wouldn't it be so cool if I could like have this little perfume spray bottle and like actually spray a bread scent on you? I, I have, I didn't know how I could find that. You know, the next best thing is to walk into someone's house who has just baked some bread, but wouldn't that be cool if I could just go? Oh, that, that scent of bread that's just being baked. Sorry, guys, you're just going to have to imagine it. So we are going to start um, talking about the bread of life and looking at up here um, in John. So if you have a Bible with you or a device that has a Bible, we're going to settle in John for a little while. There'll be a few other verses that we flick to, but John 6, uh, the story of where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Thank you, God, that we can come this morning to discuss the idea of you being the bread of life, that you nourish us, you feed us, you sustain us, and God, that we can come to you when um, we're dry and when we're weary, God, when we're hungry, because you are the one that gives us life. All right, so in John 6, I'll read it out. Soon Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we find bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. It's a bit cheeky, isn't it? I kind of had a little chuckle when I read that. (laughs) Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that? With this huge crowd, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Uh, in my family growing up, we had a, we've had a big family, 
and uh, lots of kids. And then as well as that, we had international people come and stay with us. So it could have been people coming to work from overseas, or it could have been, say, for example, um, homestay students. And then in the school holidays, we'd have extra kids come um, because my, our mum and dad own a horse riding farm. Um, and they, their business is still running now, even though they don't own the farm. So growing up, we always had lots of people around. And we would often make like those big kind of camp style meals. So it took a little while for Niall to kind of get used to that style of cooking when he first met me. Don't worry, he, his mum is a chef. So we've kind of got a good mix in our um, DNA of food styles. Uh, but you kind of like cook up this big pot of rice full to the brim and you make chow mein, anything that will spread far, you know, those kind of mince meals, things like that. And then we would line up in a line and have our plates and get served up just like camp. That's how many people we kind of were feeding, especially in the school holidays. And sometimes if I was kind of on making the food, I'd think, oh, is this going to go around? And I would I'd think, I pray, God, please make sure the food, um, you know, gets everyone gets some. And True story, we never went without. Now, my parents weren't rich, but somehow they just made it work that we always had food in our tummies, that we never went without. So I can't really say that I've ever experienced true physical hunger. I know in our um, communities, in our country, in our, in our world, people live um, lives with true physical hunger. Uh, and that's not my experience, but I can say that I have experienced like spiritual hunger. I have experienced lack in that area through different seasons of my life. And so in looking at this morning, looking at the bread of life, I hope that we can look at how our spiritual lack or our spiritual hunger can be satisfied by Jesus. Uh, we have also talked about a, a question in Matthew that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And so this morning in talking about the bread of life, um, I've been researching what, what did the bread mean in the Bible? Uh, who is Jesus to us if we see him as the bread of life? And um, Jesus had attracted a massive crowd, it says 5,000, but that was just counting the men. So then you add the women and the children, people that came to hear from far and wide what Jesus had to say, the words of life. Um, and unfortunately, the disciples dropped the ball on the catering. Now, this would never happen here at um, Vineyard because I know that Lyndon likes good food. So, but unfortunately, those disciples, they didn't quite meet the mark and there was no food trucks. There was no catering organised. Uh, and his disciples didn't know what to do. Don't worry, Jesus had a plan. So as we can see here, I've, I've highlighted just a few things that kind of stood out to me as I was reading in relation to Jesus being the bread of life. Um, and that question, where can we buy all this food so there was a lack? Where can we buy the bread to feed these people? And then uh, Andrew said, but what good is these five loaves and two fish? You know, he's kind of like, yeah, there's something here, but that's, that's not even going to feed me. I'm a big man. I'm going to eat that whole thing myself. And then we move on to, so Jesus sits everyone down, prays for it, and distributes it. And as we know, and as we can see in here, as they distributed it, it just kept going and going and going. And not only did it feed everyone, but there was more left over. And I think to me that speaks of God's abundance, that he doesn't just want to satisfy us, just give us a meal, but he wants to give us what we need in abundance, more 
And um, if you think of someone in your life that likes to always buy too much, likes to bring like a big cake over to your house, loves giving you lots of gifts, hopefully we've all got someone in our life that's a little bit like that. And you think, whoa, whoa, that's too much. God is like that in that he wants to give us uh, more than we could even ask for. Isn't that so cool? We can go on to the next one. So hopefully you can read this up here. It's a little bit small, but Jesus is saying, okay, here, guys, we've got some fish and loaves. And then unfortunately, in the, um, they're saying, hold on, I can't eat that, I'm vegan. Has that fish been tested for mercury? Is that gluten-free? So that's maybe what would happen nowadays if, if Jesus was trying to feed the 5,000. Now, please, if, you, if any of those are you, do not be offended. It's, it's, just a, it's just a lighthearted joke, okay? So we, we love people that have all different types of food needs. Uh, um, I've actually had quite a lot of fun learning about the bread of life. I'm no Bible scholar, but uh, there are resources out there that can help um, even people who don't, kind of don't know where to start. Google's great for that and commentaries and um, the internet's wonderful like that. So... Uh, I had a look up um, bread, and the word is lechem, and um, I looked up a few parts in the Bible of where it comes out, or where, where, it's, where that word is used, and actually, so I'll come back to those verses up there soon, but a fun fact, um, the word Bethlehem, which we would say Bethlehem, actually means house of bread, so that was a new thing for me. Beth meaning house and Lechem meaning bread. So I think they would say Bethlehem and then we kind of put the the th in it. But as many of you would know, that is the birthplace of Jesus. And Jesus is the bread of life. So I thought that was, I read that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Hey, like little things like that when you kind of take time to study the words, the meanings of words. Uh, Okay, so in the Bible, we can see that God's provision for our needs uh, for our physical and our spiritual needs. So I'll read from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. You're welcome to turn there if you want to, but otherwise we'll be coming back to John. Okay, so in Deuteronomy it says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, Coming up in the next part of John chapter 6, which we won't go to just yet, uh, at the... People talk to Jesus and they, they speak about the manna being fed from heaven and they say Moses fed the people with manna from heaven and Jesus kind of stops them and he says, no, actually I did, like God did. Um, and in, in here in that verse in Deuteronomy, we can see that bread in the Bible, um, it comes up where Jesus fed people physically, but then he also sped, fed them spiritually because it was a miracle of provision for them. And then in Psalm 146, verse 7, says, He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. 
So there was, there's more verses in the Bible that talk about bread and God's provision, but these were just two that stood out to me. Um, the second one about that idea that God does not let people down, that he provides for us. Uh, we, might, we might be in seasons where we feel oppressed. It could be, uh, it could be that we lack something, that we um, are overwhelmed by situations, that we're having a hard time in um, with people. Uh, but God actually provides for us. And not only that, that God provides for those who, who physically do truly lack. And I love that about God, his heart for the poor and the oppressed. It keeps coming up time and time again that God will provide for them. So those were two, those are two places where it came up in the Bible that I was quite interested in and connected with. And then um, some ideas of what bread could represent in the Bible. So we have a common and simple staple that brought nourishment and sustenance. Uh, also, something that brought people together. So it was about people. It was about community. And um, number three, a symbol of provision. So for the Israelites, uh, God provided physically for them, but he also spiritually nourishes through the word of God. So a symbol of, uh, symbol of provision, a symbol of spiritual nourishment through the word of God, and then it also is linked to Jesus on the cross. Um, a little bit later on uh, in the next part of John that we talk about, he or the next part of John that I'll read to you, he talks about how he, um, it's like a, a link to the eternal life. So we'll get to that um, next. Would you like to turn to the next one, Cherry? So there's, I've left out a couple of verses just to um, try and condense the text. And so I'll fill in what happens. So we've had Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then in the story in John, I'll just turn back to it. Then in the story, Jesus goes, Jesus goes off and his disciples hop in a boat. They would go across to Capernaum and they, along the way, Jesus meets them on the water. And then all of a sudden they arrive at their destination. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be cool if I could tap into that Maybe it would stop those long car rides with the tricky children. So uh, that, was, that was quite cool reading about all of a sudden. And immediately they were there. Um, but then people see that Jesus is gone. They're asking, where is he? And so they come to find him. They get on their boats. They travel looking for Jesus. So there's a massive crowd there. And uh, people are asking him and asking him, who are you? And they also actually wanted to force him to be their king which is part of the reason why he escapes. So it talks about that in the bit, in the two bits that connect these two um, parts of John. So here they are. They've had their miraculous picnic. They, there is a large crowd that is still following Jesus and they're asking, and they're asking questions of Jesus and Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter. So this is where he changes from feeding them physically to actually speaking to the heart of the matter. So I'll read it out to you guys. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. 
then on to 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, the ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And again, I just highlighted a few of the parts that I felt really stood out to me. I love it how he is straight up with them. They're asking, they're saying, do us another miracle. And uh, he kind of is like, you're missing the point. You're asking me to show you again and again miracles when actually I am the bread of life. I am the miracle. In that also um, the bread of life points to the cross through where he talks about eternal life. Um, Cherry, you can move on to the next one. Great. So how are we feeding ourselves? Now this is where we can get practical and we can actually ask ourselves, what are we doing on a daily basis to feed off the bread of life? So um, there's a verse in Matthew 6 verse 11 that is the part of the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. I love that idea of the daily bread. It's not just the once a week bread. It's not just the once a month bread. It's the daily bread. And as well as that, linking back to the Israelites, if they uh, gathered more than one day's worth of bread, then it would rot, apart from on the day when they could gather two days when it was the Sabbath the next day. So uh, that just goes to show that God wants us to connect with him daily and, and get the bread of life daily. So there's definitely challenges that come with... Um, uh, connecting with God and some of these um, are my challenges and then some of these are maybe just ones that I could think of that may connect with where you're at in life first of all our appetite so the bread of life I see as being nutrient dense food as being the kind of things like if you imagine cooking the kind of things that take time to make uh, where you have to get those vegetables, you have to wash them, prepare them, chop them, cook them. It might even be sourdough starters. It might be sprouting, um, what are those things called, Christina? Grouts? Those buckwheat, sprouting buckwheat. Christina's expert in some of that stuff. Um, but for me, sometimes I just want the quick food. I'm like, okay, got to feed these hungry kids. What can we do? Um, so I just go to, for them or for myself, the quick things that are going to fill them up, but actually they aren't really the nutrient-dense food. And I thought that that could be like a little bit of an, an analogy for us spiritually. Like we, it's good to have those quick go-tos, those quick things that you can just do uh, it takes five minutes and you're connecting with God. Those are great, but they won't sustain us. So what do we have in our life that takes a bit of hard work where you sit down and think, oh, the study is quite tricky. It's a bit overwhelming, but actually in the long run, it's really going to sustain our spirit. And then number two, another challenge is focus. 
So um, one of Niall's favourite bands is U2. And one of their awesome songs says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, these um, in John 6, uh, we won't go back there. I'll just read it to you guys. They said... Um, uh, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. So this is Jesus speaking, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So they, they wanted to connect again with Jesus to see the miraculous sign, but they didn't understand it. They, they still didn't find what they were looking for. They were looking for something else, in fact. And Jesus is saying, uh, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that, come, that the Son of Man can give you. Uh, so I was thinking about that idea of focus, and I've just got, um, oh, I, I just have number 30 as well to read you. So they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe. And then Jesus in 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So he's bringing it back to that spiritual aspect as opposed to their physical needs. So um, there's some seasons also that I think can hinder us from really getting the bread of life. So if we look up here, busyness, okay, and that could be because you have little kids, it could be because work's busy, it could be because you guys over there have assignments, you guys have assignments to do, you've got practice for sport, then you get home and mum tells you you have to do your homework. Uh, finances, so when, we're, when we have financial troubles, we might be so worried that it causes us to not be able to focus and concentrate on digging into God. Um, if you're a mum or dad who's the taxi all the time, going here, there and everywhere, and you just don't have much time to, to actually uh, set aside for seeking after God. Political strains, who knows, that's really been the season that we've just been in and is probably still carrying on. There's always some political dramas going on and it can be quite polarising and that can actually take away our focus from seeking after God. Relationships, shame. Sometimes we might think, oh, I'm just not good enough to come to God. I keep, I keep stuffing up. I Look, I didn't read my Bible the whole week, so now God doesn't really want to know me, which is absolutely not true. But that's sometimes what we can think. Uh, distractions, it can even be good distractions, but just takes away your time and your focus. Little kids, hey, that's my season, is that challenge of juggling. Uh, as soon as I sit down, someone comes and jumps on my knee. I'm like, Did I, do I have like a red light on my head? Beep, 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 jump on mum. Um... Difficulties at work, so you think, okay, if I just work harder, I'm going to get on top of this. Or maybe you're distracted by the relationships with people at work, with trying to figure out a really tricky problem, trying to get that next deal. Health issues, they can definitely take away a lot of your energy and time. Spiritual faith crisis, maybe you're at a point where you're not, you're not receiving from the bread of life because you don't know what you believe anymore. And sometimes a lack of guidance. So you might think, I want to study, I want to know more, but I don't know how to get there. And in saying this, the seasons thing, I feel, I, my personal opinion is that they can be our challenges, but they could also be things that uh, also push us towards God, depending on how you look at it and how you approach it. So it says in John 10.10, that Jesus, um, Jesus says, I give you life and life to the fullest. And 
the word life is also where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's the word zoe. So that's the Greek word for life. And you could think of life as your biology, like you're alive. But this word is actually more of like your soul and your energy for life and your vibrancy. So when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, I am wanting to sustain you and give you a fruitful, full, fantastic, energetic, vibrant life, which is so cool that he's, he's not just saying, I'm going to keep you alive, but I'm, I've actually come to give you life to the fullest. Um, Jesus wants to satisfy our physical needs and spiritual needs, but he also wants to give us life to the fullest. Uh, just on that one, before we go over to the next note, while I was praying this morning, I was reminded of a group at school that I used to be part of. So just connecting back now to you young people that are still in school, uh, we had a group called The Rock, and we would meet once a week with other Christians. And we kind of just started off as a little club of Christian friends, and then it grew from that. And I really wanted to encourage you young people that you're never too young to actually get into God and to challenge you guys as well that um, what, what are you doing in your life that is causing you to grow in your relationship with God? So that's, that's my challenge to you that all that are still at school. So how can we feed, keep feeding off the bread of life. So this is my last slide. And there's a really amazing quote that I came across up here by a guy called Don Carson. So he says, the significance of the feeding of the 5,000 is not that he, Jesus, provides food, but that he is the food. It's really cool, eh? When I found that, I was like, yes, that's, that really sums this up so well. Uh, speaking of bread, um, Christina shared a funny story with me about how when she was a teenager, um, before school in the morning for breakfast or after school, she would eat so much bread, probably going through a growth spurt, and was it like eight to 12 pieces of bread? Got to get love that white bread, eh? So I just wanted to find out, is there anyone else here and I mean, you adults don't, don't have to participate in this survey if you don't want to, but any young people here that also love eating those slices of white bread? Anyone else? Yes, we've got a few over there. Yeah, any of you guys? Do you guys like bread? Yep, you pack a few away. What do you like on your bread? Butter, yes. When it's hot? Yes. Yeah, I think Christina was margarine and marmite. Toast, toast, margarine and marmite. We were not a butter family. Too expensive. No, go for that old processed ugh, margarine. Um, what about you guys? What do you love? Do you eat bread? Are you a bread eater? Yeah. Just the bread. Yep. Fresh or toasted? Yep. Great. What about you three at the back? What do you have on your bread? Nutella? Peanut butter? <laughs> what was that? Oh, yeah. Peanut butter and jam together. Cade? Same, nice. I bet, I bet that between you young people here, you could eat a fair few um, loaves a day. Okay, I love it. Got to keep those loaves coming for the young people. So what are some solutions to our challenges of the seasons of um, seeking after God, getting that bread of life? So 
uh, these, this is kind of like a brainstorm just of a few ideas that I had and then you guys can chip in your ideas too. So regular rhythms, for me, I used to be a person that always did my Bible reading in the morning. It just fit. I loved it. Got me set for the day. Um, right from when I was young, when I was at uni, before I had kids, and then the kids came along, and that went out the window. And I struggled for a while, still trying to do that, and, and failed time and time again. And I've just settled on a new rhythm of, as soon as I come home from work, on the days that I work, I put the TV on for the kids, feed them some morning, afternoon tea, and I sit down with my coffee and my Bible and no one interrupts me. <laughs> and it's, it's, it has been a really great find of actually three o'clock is my time with God. Uh, I have tried a couple of seasons of doing it at night and I just fall asleep. Uh, I found Lectio Divina, the night ones were quite good. I did that for a little bit and then kind of dropped off. So my three, three o'clock is my new rhythm and it's really uh, filling me up, even if it's just 15 minutes of sitting down reading and I love to journal. I never go back and read them, but I've still got them all. And I think it's just that processing of getting the things out on the page. And to be honest, this week has been a lot of me saying, oh my goodness, God, I feel so overwhelmed. Back to work, back into term four. It's full on. The kids are fighting this morning, you know, things like that. And it's just my way of getting it all out. <sighs> then I sip my cup of coffee and I open my Bible and I kind of fill myself up with the good stuff in there that really keeps me going. Uh, Prioritising time, locking it in. Just saying, actually, this is my time to do that. Kids, get out of here. You know, or it might be turning off the phone. Or it might be um, just making your lunchtime at work. Going outside, sitting on the park bench, making that your time with God. Uh, getting creative and collaborative. So there's some parts of uh, like our spiritual development that we can't really do on our own. Like I find studying quite hard. I either use a study guide or I like to be with other people. And that's where I found the clusters were really helpful, that getting together and discussing things. Uh, some people love studying by themselves and are really well equipped for that, but I'm more collaborative. Uh, it could be getting together to pray. It, uh, creative could be painting. It could be drawing. It could be um, getting outside. I know there's lots of people here who connect with God by being active, going to the gym. I love going for walks. I even love doing the dishes listening to a podcast about God. So things like that, you know, it's that coming up with creative ideas. Uh, would anyone be brave enough to share some more ideas about how they reckon uh, great ways to connect with God? There's no right or wrong answer, by the way. We just need one brave person and the rest of you will jump in after that. Beautiful. Car. Love it. Nice, yeah, that's awesome. Lock the door, yes. Anyone else, someone from over the side? Ideas of connecting with God. Yeah. Beach walks, yes. Beach, love, we're so blessed, eh? Living right by the beach. Come on, this side we need one and that side we need one. Yes. Guys over here, Worship music, Spotify, awesome. Nice, guys. Good participation. So 
Um, there's two other things that I just thought that came to mind up here was that we need to keep coming back. Like sometimes we, I've tried things and it hasn't worked or sometimes it's dry. I've been a Christian for 30 plus years. I forget how old I am. I think I'm either 36 or 37. I think I'm 37. But, and I, ha- I can honestly say that a lot of that time has been connected to God. Mum and dad brought us up. Great church, great upbringing. Sure, they had their faults and failings, but actually I connected with God in a, at a young age. So one of my challenges has been, how do I keep it fresh? Because I've been reading the Bible for a long time. So how do I kind of keep that life and that vibrancy? And sometimes I just do it because it's the next thing I need to do. And I think, oh, was that a waste of time? But no, I need to keep coming back. And I want to encourage you all as well. Try something and keep coming back to God. If you're feeling down about your relationship with God, just keep coming back to him. I remember that's been a theme that Lyndon initiated with that come to the table, like what keeps bringing you back to God. And then my last point there was about responding to promptings and just that encouragement that if you feel prompted about something by God to follow that prompting. Sometimes we think things, we feel things, and then we don't do something about it. And it can be a lost opportunity of connection with God. Uh, I want to share a story with you. I've got up there, your needs matter. So I love listening to podcasts and usually we'll do it while I'm cooking the dinner or washing the dishes, doing something practical and then listening. I find that I'm, I listen well when I'm doing something practical that I don't need to think too much about. And there was this one um, book that I was listening to a lady talk about called Undi Kolb. And I think she she's European, um, hence the name Undi. And she wrote a book called Try Softer. So she's talking about how we often just think we just got to get up and get on with it. You know, I think Kiwi's a bit like that, like, oh, yeah, harden up, get on with it. But she was talking about the idea of working through trauma, through your challenges by actually being gracious to yourself. And so I was, I can't remember if I was washing the dishes or, or making dinner, but I was in the kitchen listening to her talking about her book. She was being interviewed. And then she, in her book, she had these practical little sessions uh, like she would lead you through kind of a process of dealing with your stuff. And so she and the interviewer were talking and she says, okay, now let's do this. Let's take a few minutes of silence. I want you to think about, uh, I want you to pray and ask God to show you something in your life that's a challenge for you. And then we're going to work through that. So I'm in the kitchen doing this manual thing. I, I feel like it could be chopping because of where I was facing. I can kind of imagine myself in that situation. I was probably making dinner. And I felt like God say to me, and I feel like I'm going to cry because it's still, it's still real for me. I felt like God say, you think your needs don't matter? And, okay, I'll just take a deep breath. And for the first time in my life, I realized that that was a lie that I was believing, that my needs don't matter, so I look after everyone else and then I get the leftovers. Um, and I was so blessed by that revelation, and it's still a process. Like that was probably about two years ago now, and I still come back to that when I find myself resentful, when I find myself um, run down. I think, oh, Grace, you have been believing that your needs don't matter. You've been putting everyone else first and not yourself. So what are you going to do to put yourself first? So I feel like that revelation has set me on a great path of 
figuring that out and walking through that with God, and I still don't get it right. Um, but uh, like I, that time with God brought that revelation that now has sent me on a path of uh, saying, God, what is your truth for me about my needs? And do you know what? God says, I am the bread of life. Come to me daily and I will sustain you. Come to me and you will thirst no more. You will hunger no more. And I just love that, like that idea that God wants to meet our needs, that we don't deserve the scraps. We actually deserve the best. And he wants to lavishly give us uh, something that will meet our needs. So um, I'm going to pray and we'll finish. We'll just finish kind of on that story because I feel like it's a really great place to then lead into if you feel led to respond. Maybe what does God want to say to you in that space? Uh, Matt's going to come up and play for us. Just get rid of some of these. <laughs> oh, that feels good. Okay. So, so my, that's my timer. <laughs> I think we're just, we're just on time. So perfect. Thank you for that. That's good. Um, so just wrapping it up, uh, the, there's an idea up here of, no, it's not there anymore, but I will read it out to you. It's fine. We don't need it up there. It's called intimate invitation. That's what I like to see God's, uh, how God treats us. He gives us an intimate invitation that we would bring our needs to him and that he would satisfy us and that we would do that on a daily basis, whatever that looks like, small, big, um, that we would come to him. So I'll just read that last verse out again. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So God, I thank you so much for each person represented here, that though you are such a massive God that you created this world, yet you still see us individually. God, that you, in that moment in my kitchen, you reached down and you spoke something into my heart that was just what I needed to hear. And that, God, that is what you can do for each person here as well. That is what you long to do, to see us where we're at and to encourage us, to lead us on a path of healing, of wholeness, of a satisfying, rich life. Thank you, God, that you are the bread of life. May we see you in the miracle. And, God, may we come to you daily. Help us with our challenges with the seasons that we're in, God, to find creative ways to be filled up by the bread of life. Amen. So Matt's going to play. And I wanted to give people the opportunity to respond. Now, your response could look different. It could mean uh, just sitting there having a, a peaceful moment to listen to God. It could mean coming up the front. Uh, it could mean raising your hands, putting your hands out. God, I give this to you. Whatever that looks like is up to you. But definitely the front is open to anyone who, come, who wants to come and say, God, I want that bread of life. It could be that you are new to church and you, don't act, you have never really actually initiated a relationship with God. Or you could have been coming to church for a long time and not initiated actually knowing Jesus, who is the bread of life. Also, I wanted to encourage anyone who feels like they're in a season of dryness to respond and say, God, fill me up. I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling weary. Um, and I want to be filled up by you. 
So you're welcome to come down for whatever reason is um, personal to you and to respond. You're welcome to stand in the aisle, stay where you are. It's up to you. Uh, as Matt plays, um, we'll just leave this space open and Lyndon will um, jump up and let us know when it's time to move on. But also people are free to um, get a cup of tea as well. So just where you're, wherever you're at, if you feel led to respond, then do that. I would encourage you not to leave without kind of um, talking to God about where you're at. So God, we just pray for those who feel uh, led, like something's stirring in their heart, something's touched them um, of what you have spoken through me. And God, I pray that you will just uh, give them that, that boldness to respond in a way they feel led. Amen.